0: Welcome back to the workspace podcast. I am your host Justin Moran. It has been a while and I'm so glad you've joined us. Sometimes life gets in the way and you've got to put certain projects to the side. I'm excited to be back to the podcast world and kicking off season two. My first guest for season two is Trisha Griffin Cardi of Griffin Cardi communications. Trisha uses storytelling techniques to develop and deliver powerful narratives that get business results. Now what does that mean? It means she can help turn your professional experience into a story, a story that can be easily repeated and understood by your colleagues, family, friends, and that real intimidating person you might meet at your next networking event. Having been in sales in some capacity for my entire career, this topic really resonated with me, and I'm super excited to share it with you. So sit back, relax, listen, and enjoy. Hey, Tricia, thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, Justin, I'm delighted. It's May 1st. Is spring here Yes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going right into summer. I'm giving spring a pass this yeah, year. Yeah,
0: I think you're right. I've been um, having this conversation with everyone. I'm sure. To. It's just, <laughs> I like to get outside and exercise, and it's it's been brutal. I can't wait for it to
1: There's stop. hope. Yeah. There's hope. It's May 1, and I'm yeah.
0: delighted to be here, Justin. Yeah. Thanks for this opportunity. Cool, thanks. And I'm excited you're here. I mean, when we first chatted on the phone, I immediately resonated with what you do. I've been in sales my entire career. And the only time that I've been successful selling anything is when I've been able to wrap my head around a product or a service and tell it like a story. You've got to be able to own that story in order to not necessarily convince, but just to talk eloquently and succinctly about the value that you bring to the table or the value your service brings to the table. So I immediately resonated with what you do and very happy to have you here on the podcast. So why don't we just take a step back a little bit? Sure. You can introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your practice and your company, and then mm-hmm. we'll get going.
1: I would love to. Uh, I'm Trisha Griffin-Cardy, and my company is griffin Cardi Communications. Okay. And I have been doing this for many years, and my most recent iteration is that I am working largely in the area of story. And what does that mean? Well, you just already gave my speech a moment ago. So, uh, okay, thanks, (laughs) You stole your thunder, I'm sorry. Yeah, I stole my thunder, you stole the lead, buried the lead. Well, whatever. Not the first time I've done it. (laughs) So you just described it beautifully. You said that you were in sales and that something about not necessarily to convince, but to own, and to do it in an eloquent way. Well, I would substitute the word convince, which I agree with. That might be an outcome, but story helps us connect. We connect first. I like that. And then when we connect, people begin to see our point of view in a different way. So I have been thinking and working in the area of stories Basically, my whole life, starting when I was just a uh, very young, and I was writing down things in my family's uh, at dinner table. I had a little blue book, these little blue exam books. Some of your listeners will remember, and I would write down what my parents said, what my siblings said, uh, and I thought it was very funny. And I didn't know them, but it was dialogue. And one night at the dinner table, my mother said to my dad do you know that Trish is writing everything down? <laughs> and I actually wrote that down. Do you know? So anyway, I was fascinated by people's backgrounds, and I asked questions even as a, a child. I was curious about where people came from and what they had done and all of this, and that I just kind of went through a whole, my, the beginning of my career, I was an educator for about 10 years. I taught at the high school level, English, of course, where I was helping my students write their stories. Okay. And then I bounced into a, a wonderful opportunity in a nonprofit. Women's Educational and Industrial Union, where I was interviewing people and placing them in jobs in Hmm. the greater Boston community. Again, what's your story? How are you presenting yourself to an employer? So a few trips down the road later, and I wound up starting my own practice, Griffin Carty Communications. And when I started, it was about really doing a lot of work, delivering programs around your traditional, what we might call training and development issues, delegation, performance management, et cetera. But every time I touched a topic, I somehow veered it onto the role of communications. Mm. So if a client wanted me to do something around performance management, I'd say, great. How are people having that conversation? How do they actually sit down and say, let's talk about your performance? So Mm. that was the genesis of the communications piece. And then over the years, it evolved where I am now a presentations coach. Professional speaker and my favorite designation, which I self-designated, I am a story finder. Wow, I noticed that on your card.
0: <laughs> let, let's dive into that. <laughs> kind of stands
1: bit. out, doesn't it? How yeah. Do you,
0: how do you define that?
1: Well, actually, my audiences defined it for me. Okay. Because I'd be working with people individually or in groups, either coaching them on how to work with story in their presentations or how to use story to explain what they did to their constituencies, and I heard over and over again. Someone would say, I never thought of that as a story. I just didn't even see that, and you heard it, and you found that right away. And I kept hearing that word, you found it. I said, no, no, you have it, I heard it. But then I thought, well, I guess I did find it. So I see myself as a story finder. I work with people, I listen a lot, and I just hear the stories between the lines of their responsibilities and their accomplishments. And I sort of reflect that back, and then they take it from there. It's their story, not mine. Mm-hmm. But I do help them find it.
0: It sounds like you're almost empowering people to think holistically about themselves and mm-hmm. their career path and what led them to there, and then wrapping that all up into something that they can repeat and have a conversation yes. about.
1: And they they repeat it most effectively when they own it. Mm. When they own it, they own it. And then if they're on an interview, for example, I, I used to do a lot of work with individuals who were in the job search. And actually, that's how I started this particular piece. They would say, well, I was working with them on interview questions. And their answers were very predictable. And also, I had their resume in front of me, and it was almost word for
0: word. They were reciting it almost, yeah.
1: And actually, that was what I wrote in the first blurb. I said, are you telling your story or are you reciting the bullets <laughs> on your resume? Yeah, yeah. And it was really easy to go from the bullets to the story. The bullets to situation, action, result. And I wanted to know the challenges. So great, you tripled or you quadrupled, order. So what were your challenges? Mm-hmm. And how did you overcome them? And what else got in the way? And that's where the story was. You needed the tension, the challenge, and a little bit of drama Mm. thrown in there. And it was all there. But people were saying, well, I tripled the blah, blah, blah. You know, they would just recite the bullet. And I also noticed when people began to work and think in terms of their story, their eyes would light up and their faces would change. And there was just such energy in their delivery. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I began working with people on that. And I was hearing back from them that they felt this was really a tipping point in some of their interviews. Because they stood out. They were excited. They owned their experience. And they told it in a very confident way as their story. I wish
0: I knew you like 15 minutes ago. I don't need it right now. Well, maybe I do need it. I probably do need it. Well, who knows?
1: I think we're all storytellers. You and I have had a couple of conversations. We're all storytellers. I think it's in our social DNA. I think it's just tapping into it maybe a little bit more.
0: Do you ever work with folks that might be a little introverted and need help sort of bringing the story out, if you will.
1: Yes. And when I think of the word introversion, I think in terms of the Myers-Briggs definition, you know, they process inwardly and prefer writing to speaking. And as you may have guessed, I would report out as an extrovert in terms of that Myers-Briggs personality indicator. So introverts are people who think deeply and listen extremely well and then speak. However, when it comes to telling a story, that doesn't necessarily lend themselves to speaking first. They're likely to listen a lot to others. So I just did a workshop actually for a client and it was sort of tongue in cheek, but we called it, yes, exclamation point. Introverts can be great storytellers, exclamation point. <laughs> and then I wrote, and everybody else, you know, so it was inclusive. But people came to it who self-identified as introverts in the way I've described. They echoed something that I've heard a lot. They would say, well, first of all, I don't have any stories And secondly...
0: You must hear that all the time. I do. I I do.
1: And I I just wait because I know there's tons of stories. (laughs) And then they'd say, okay, I have stories, but they're not very good. Okay, we'll let that one go. And the third one was the favorite. Okay, I have some stories and they're pretty good, but who would listen anyway? (laughs) So it's all of those things. And I think in part for introverts and everyone else, they're thinking they need the big story. I climbed Mount Everest. I didn't, by the way. But... When I hear a speaker like that, I am impressed, and I am in awe, and I take a lot from it. And I know I'm never going to climb Mount Everest. So we kind of look at the small story. There's Sean Callahan, who's a thought leader in the world of story and business. He says, the story's with a small S. And it could be something that happened on your way to work, a conversation you had, some interaction at a coffee shop. The small stories can have big punch Mm -hmm. if we just see them as these little moments in life. So we start, so to answer your question, for people who feel, uh, you know, they don't have stories and all of that, we start by thinking about a moment. But the other thing I really advise people on is, uh, let's talk about the TED Talks and the Moth. These are wonderful vehicles. I listen to them all the time. We're not all going to be TED Talk people, or we're not all going to be speakers on the Moth and we don't have to be. So they're very practiced. It takes a lot to do either one of those. I'm sure it does. Yeah. And most people aren't going to do that. So I said, let's put them over here as they're great, but I'm going to do a small story in my arena and have an impact.
0: I would think this would really help folks with networking, whether you own your own small business and you need to do a lot of networking, like millions of us do, or you're part of a large organization. Let's say you work for IBM. And there's, from what I understand, the only way to get through a successful career at IBM is to be a a masterful networker mm-hmm. and to really work it. So tell me about how you could apply you know, what you do and how you help folks to beef up their networking.
1: And it's funny because that word has both positive and negative associations that I think of it as you do. It's making connections. I yeah. think it's building relationships. On the downside, it's seen as kind of a, you know, hi, how are you? I'm on to the next person. Right, And I haven't exactly. really listened to That's you. That's
0: what I hate about it. It's so fake almost. So
1: we don't do that. But it does have that. People think that is is the way to network. That is not the way to network. Yeah. To really be effective, you bring yourself to the table. You engage with the other person. You ask questions and you listen before you begin to talk about yourself. Mm. It's more than a one-time contact. You know, a network, you make the initial contact, you follow up and over time and all of that. But it be specific, I ask people to think about what they really do. So someone said to me once that they were senior vice president of IT of something or other, and they went on and listed all these esoteric credentials, very impressive. And I said, what do you really do? And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, not in a challenge, I really wanted to know, and I couldn't get it. And he said, I put the pieces of the puzzle together and show other people what it looks like. And I said, wow. Yeah. And that, so that kind of prompted me. So I said, why don't you use that? Have you ever thought about using that? You know, not right away, hi, my name is Tricia, and I put the pieces of the puzzle together. But, you know, if someone says, what do you do after a few pleasantries? You might say, well, I work in an organization, I'm in IT, but basically what I really do is that I look at the whole puzzle, and I put the pieces together, and I help my clients see that. And he started using it, and people went, really? Really? A conversation is born one other quick example there was a client of mine who worked in the area of compliance and legal for a corporation and again a lot of credentials and responsibilities that i don't think would be understood by people who weren't in compliance and so i said so what do you really do And she said, I keep my company out of jail and out of the paper. And I said, boy, (laughs)
0: that's it. Yeah, (laughs) that's precisely
1: what she she does. She says, yeah, if my company's in the paper, that's not a good thing. Or it's in social media. But she said, I keep people out of trouble. And I said, why don't you say that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, people would say, that's not good enough. That's not what I do. But I said, but it's what you really do. Tell me that, and then tell me the other stuff. So I think that's the beginning of the story, that you cast yourself as a character, in a way that is accessible to people who are you're interacting with. I get uh, it. We get away from the job title, away from the bullet on the resume. Mm. Let's drill down. It might be something you love to do, and yeah. you're doing it on your job. So so that's the beginning of the story. Did I answer your question? I think I'm so. not sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think you did. But... Okay. <laughs> so what are some of the common misconceptions or bad perceptions that people have about the practice of storytelling to, mm. to better their career?
1: Well, it has changed, but not that long ago, I think clients in, in the business world saw storytelling as once upon a time. Yeah, And <laughs> yeah. I remember dealing with that a number of years ago with a client of mine who's also a very good friend, and he would just chuckle every time I would talk about how I was building my practice and story. And one day I said to him, I'm going to a story conference this weekend. And he chuckled. And I said, what is so funny? And He said, I don't know. I just see you with a bunch of people sitting in little tiny chairs, <laughs> you know, like in kindergarten. I'm going, <laughs> okay, it's not that. But people don't know what it is. And today it has taken on a new cast. Look at Apple and Microsoft, look at you know the big corporations. They're all embracing using story for their brand. But I think one of the Challenges there is not to be overly slick Mm. or too polished. You lose the immediacy. So I think that's a challenge. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest challenges is that people may think that telling a story is that I just tell a story. And my work is all around, have you looked at that listener, or I'll call that person the audience, what does he or she care about? What is your message? Now, let's find a story. That supports your message and will resonate with your listener. Interesting. And I think that's missing. We all know Uncle Joe at Thanksgiving who will say, I've gonna tell you a story, and people groan inwardly <laughs> yeah. because it's gonna go on forever yeah. and they're not gonna see the point. Yeah, right. Storytelling, it must have a business point, it must resonate with that audience. One story does not fit all. So I think that's one of the big challenges mm. is to really figure out it's actually all about your audience it's not really about me. I have a message. But boy, if I don't understand you, my audience, if I don't craft my message and use an appropriate story to connect with you, you know, it hasn't happened.
0: Yeah, Nothing's happened. So I think those are some of the big challenges. Very good. seems like the advent of social media may enhance the need for businesses like yours, just because everyone's so concerned about their brand, their, their personal brand and how they're perceived out there on social media mm. they, they work very hard at it i see a connection there as far as being able to tell their story not just you know standing up in front of somebody but how that translate online mm. yeah do you work with folks on their social media profiles at not all
1: not so much I'm, I'm beginning to i'm yeah. beginning to start to do that i think one of the major components to look at there is authenticity yeah. and i know that's a word that's overused yeah but are you really your brand
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, Let's start with you that. You can see right through some of
1: them. Well, funny, yeah. and I think sometimes, honestly, people think, this is the brand I should be. Right. You know, this is the brand that will sell. That's going to be a tough sell. You're going to have a tough time getting behind that with a good story. Great point. So I think it's really thinking about... Yeah, look at the marketplace. Think about what you bring that mm-hmm. is different. But really think about that. How are you different? And what do you offer? And key in, most importantly, what benefit do you offer to others? Right. It's not about us. It's, I say this a million times. It's all about the audience. Yeah. But make that solid connection that you have something to offer that is valuable to others and get behind that. And then you will find great stories to support that.
0: Great point. So how do you typically engage with your clients? Give us a couple of examples of folks that you've worked with recently. And...
1: Sure. Well, I work with individuals as well as do workshops, as well as give keynotes. Okay. So I'll give a quick one. An individual I worked with was an IT professional, extremely well thought of, beyond competent. I mean, just creative and, you know, very good at his job mm. and did not share at uh, meetings his voice wasn't being heard not surprisingly in many ways you know and he knew what he knew and he was very good at it so we talked about how he could become more comfortable in the speaking portion so originally we started just getting his voice heard bringing up a question at a meeting piggybacking off of someone else's comment and then we worked into he had so much experience That when he had to give a presentation to about 100 people, uh, he would often just kind of the bullets on the PowerPoint. We said, let's think about a story that would connect with your audience. Very short. Let's craft it and let's try it out. And it just made a huge difference. Now, that took some practice to become comfortable. So it's, it's that, working with individuals. Working with groups is a lot of fun. They come from different places and different jobs. But they really connect around this. And I'll say, take a moment, something that caught your eye, caught your ear, caught your eye in the last, I don't know, couple of months at work or whatever. And maybe you thought, wow, this really kind of connects to what we do here. But you probably didn't tell anybody. Everybody's really busy.
0: Yeah. So idea, um, a world li- real-life example.
1: Real-life example, and, yes. And how
0: that relates to yeah. something you're involved with at work.
1: And, and someone say, you know, I was walking by someone's cube. I heard somebody on the phone with a customer, and I could hear that it was a challenge. I could only hear one side, but I knew it was challenging. But boy, did she handle that well. I said, okay, tell me more. And then we might get down to I'd ask a question, say, so I'm just curious. Maybe does this in any way connect to your company mission, vision, or values? And the answer is Yes, yeah. of course it does. You know, so we kind of build through that. So cool. I don't start with a beginning. I don't do beginning, middle, and end. That evolves. I yeah. say, tell me about a moment, and let's build it out into a scene. And what do you think's going on there?
0: Yeah. How yeah. do you typically get introduced to an organization? Is it?
1: A lot of referrals, which I'm happy to say, Uh, a lot of referrals, um, and many times from my speaking engagements. Uh, That's the third wheel, the individual coaching, the group work with workshops, and then the the speaking. A lot of it through that, I'll be asked to speak to an association or to a group Mm. or... You know, and that's, of course, you know, you have an opportunity to stand, it's really a privilege to stand in front of a group and deliver a speech and answer their questions. You tell but your I do story. See a lot. I, I'm <laughs> always telling my story, <laughs> yes. That's why I talked about the authenticity part, that I think that is something that we all have and we want to tap into. So a lot of it is referral, and uh, a lot of it is just because I'm out there in the greater Boston area. And through that, I get referred to do conferences, you know, around, you know, different things around the country, so.
0: Very good. Could you tell us a quick story?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. This was, I want to say a couple of years ago, I was headed to a client on one of those cold, windy, rainy, raw days that we have here in Boston. And I was on Atlantic Ave and it was just miserable. And I'm walking along and I'm headed to this client meeting and I thought, wow, I didn't have anything to eat for breakfast this morning. That's not good. But looming ahead was, I think it was an Oban pan. And I said, I'll just pop in there and get something, you know, because I really need to eat something before I head into this meeting. So I go in, we're all, everybody's dripping. Every and there's long lines and we're all dripping in line and I thought oh, okay I guess I have time I'm going to wait I'm going to get something so I'm waiting and waiting and I'm thinking about it. and then all of a sudden I notice that there's a plate of like some Danish right near where everybody is standing huh. and I think wasn't that great of the management that they put this out for people to nibble on you know <laughs> while they're waiting in line especially yeah. given this day so I looked at it and I thought mm, it looks like raspberry Danish I don't really like raspberry but I'm I'm really hungry. So I picked up a, a fork and a knife and I started to cut into it. And then the bite was on its way to my mouth when all of a sudden this gentleman appeared <laughs> in front of me and looked at me and said, No. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I said, and I thought I was very, very kind. I said, Well, I think they're for everyone. And he said, No. That's my food. (laughs) And unfortunately, I just started laughing and apologizing. At the same time, everybody in the dripping line is now looking at me. And this man has taken his food from me and walked away. And I felt like a pariah, like they looked at me and they looked away. Who is this woman who comes in stealing food? So I did wait in line. I got my coffee and I got something and I'm walking along. But the whole way I'm walking, I thought why did I do that? Why did nobody else? So did I miss a cue yeah. or a clue? Why did I put that meaning on it when no one else did? And I don't really have an answer for that, but it developed into a story that yeah. I use now, really, with just a lot of different groups. And I'll tell the story and everybody sort of chuckles. And It's a
0: good icebreaker. It's a good icebreaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But this, remember I said the story has to have a point. So yeah. I will say, so I'll say something about, what do you think about that? Why do you think I didn't pick up on the signals? Oh, well, maybe you were cold, you were hungry, and all that. We talk about that a little bit, and then I'll say, so let me ask you this. Have you ever had an example when you're talking to a client or to a colleague or to a boss, and somehow the signals, you didn't pick up on the signals, you missed it? Mm. And what happened? And what did you do about it? Well, the examples pour in, and it becomes this very kind of funny but engaging session about what to do when we mess up and how to recover from it. Mm. So that little thing, it has nothing, the stories have nothing to do with raspberry danishes. But everything, so that's how I take an ordinary small story, remember the small S, and it travels very well Mm -hmm. uh, to thinking about, it could be customer service, but it could also just be you and I are colleagues and somehow we're communicating but one of us is missing the cues and we get into trouble that way. I see
0: people getting into trouble a lot, just by the (laughs) way we communicate now. Yes, (laughs) Because no one picks up the phone anymore. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. No one picks up the phone. I know. and So you're trying to (laughs) interpret these texts. People are misspelling words the then the autocorrect blah 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 and then emails you come off so cold that Mm. you know i I could see that as being a real good business lesson if you will
1: well and especially in email tone is hard to do in email and we we often pick uh, i often look at something and thinking that was very abrupt yeah or bordering on rude and that is not the intent at all It's not. It is not. So I am someone who does pick up the phone and people are shocked and I'll get them and I'll say who (laughs) I am and and they don't know what to do, but we have a conversation. Now, look at the conversation we're having now and we have emailed, but how much richer it is when you have voices and you and I are able to look at each other right now, but how much more robust and rich it is when you have that. And I think we're going to swing back that way. I I hope so. I hope so too. (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there'll be a technology one day that brings it back full circle, but I, Maybe. I don't know. Maybe.
1: In, in the confident. meantime, we need to keep story alive yeah. because it connects us. There's nothing that creates an immediate connection by sharing something about yourself or listening attentively to somebody else.
0: Very so, And that's the power of story. So how can people get a hold? of you, you have a website? I do. I
1: have a website, uh, griffincardicommunications.com and email. T-G-C-A-R-T-Y at gmail.com would be good ways to start just to drop me a line, you know, check out my website, that sort
0: of thing. So if you're out there and you're stuck and you need some help just letting everyone know about the Mm -hmm. value that you bring to the table, perhaps a conversation with you could help out.
1: That's how it starts, and it's always exploratory. I was on the phone yesterday with a potential client from a major university, and we're just exploring. They may have a need for somebody in the fall to do an hour keynote for Mm -hmm. a large group, and so we're exploring. So it could be something like that, or I just recently worked with someone who was giving a presentation. And we went over that and thought about how to inject so it's it really is could be the individual could be the the group of three or four hundred
0: Yeah, if you're working with someone one-on-one, how does the engagement work? Is it over a a set number of weeks? Do you work with someone for half a year? You know it's so
1: it really depends Uh, I have worked with people once and I've worked with people over three or four months. Okay, just recently I worked with someone it was somebody that I knew and this individual really knew what they were doing in their presentation but just wanted some tips about how to polish it up a bit mm. and so that was a one i think it was spent about a an one hour, hour. Session? yeah no again wow. we did know each other Yeah. and we did that via zoom That was very effective. Other times, someone who says, I really want to develop this more as a skill, it could be a longer, uh, every couple of weeks, we can meet in person or by Zoom or whatever. The length of time is determined by the objectives of the client. It really depends. What do you want? What do you need? Here's what I'm thinking. How does this
0: sound? Mm -hmm. And we go from there. Very good. The power of story. Thanks for being a guest today, Tricia. Thank you so much, Justin. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, this was fun. Once again, that was Trisha griffin Cardi from griffin Cardi Communications. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and share with your friends. The Workspace Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you have any interest in podcasting, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, info at workspacema.com. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you on the next one.